Let's drink beer It makes my mind clear It takes me away from here Let's drink beer Let's drink beer Pop the top, lift it up, drink it up Guys, want to drink a beer? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, what are we starting with? Jeff, what, are we, what should we start with? We can start with the one with my face on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> El Jefe, El Guapo. El Guapo. <laughs> so it's agave, lime, cilantro, golden ale. Yeah, that's one of our... So why is your face on this beer? Because I mostly resemble the guy from Three Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> when I let everything grow out, so... Oh, we might have to crack that other one up front. Yeah, not a problem. Right there. So what goes, in, what goes into El Guapo? So it's just a gold nail, but then we do fresh lime, uh, cilantro, and agave. So it's, it's a nice mid-range beer, but it's great for obviously the hot weather we're having now and great beach beer. So it was a seasonal, and then we just got such a great response that we kept it along. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome. Kept on all year round now, so. Because this used to be seasonal release, like. Yeah. Kind of like Cinco de Mayo sort of release. And then what we do is we actually, for Cinco de Mayo, we age this in tequila barrels too. So El Jefe comes out of this. So this is a pretty nice little mix when we get the right tequila bar barrels for it, so. How hard is that to get tequila barrels? Not very hard. Yeah, you can get them out here? Yeah, we can order them. It takes a while, they're usually dry, so we have to reconstitute them, make sure they expand again, so. But once we put the liquid in, it's pretty much good to go. And how does that work? Is there, is there like a lot of extraction of that former spirit in there that they come out into the beer? Like what, what qualities? Yeah, so th the first year we did it, we actually got wet barrels and we only had it in there for about a month, month and a half, and it, it just was full of flavor. <clears throat> the second time we did it, it took a little longer, probably about six months to eight months to get that flavor. And then the one we actually have in the pub now took even longer, about, actually because of the pandemic. Um, we actually let it sit for about two years. So, yeah. Now, interesting, because you say tequila yeah. barrels, but uh, most tequilas are finished off in ex-bourbon barrels. Yeah. So is there, was there any like stamp or, or do we know like did, which bourbon to tequila? Or? Sometimes you can read them, but most of the times they're pretty, they're pretty beat up by the time we get them. So they got a bunch of residual sugar just hanging out and all that wood. Yeah, you usually roll. get some of that vanilla out there, but yeah. you know, you want that, the last spirit that was in there. So hopefully the most tequila flavor you can get. That's interesting. I was talking to a brewer from Oregon and they usually were aging all of their beers for 12 months just as a as a policy. And they did one uh, Imperial Stout one year and they're like, well, let's just let these sit for another 12 months and see what happens. And they, oh no, they were doing 18 months on that particular beer, sorry. 18 months, they let them sit for another six. And they said the amount of difference in those last six months in terms of drinkability rather than having to be able to buy it and want to sit on it and maybe age it for a year or two versus just buying it and having it be instantly delicious, they instantly made the decision to go 24 months yeah. on everything at that point. It was just made a bigger difference. Well, part of the fun is we just try it all the time. So through that process, we go, okay, a couple months, and we, we kind of know, depending once you get the barrel, how, how young it is and if it is wet or not. So you can usually tell, sometimes we'll leave for a month or two, sometimes it's two years. So it just all depends on what's, one what's in there and then the quality of the barrel too, so. But you guys have been playing with barrels from the very beginning. How, and it, yeah. how, how many barrels do you guys have now in, in stock filled beer? Right now there's about 40. So yeah, we keep them in the range from stouts to, 
we still have the um, hot sauce barrels. So, wait, so, 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 so people are, so aren't, aren't aware of those, like, what, what are hot sauce barrels? So, in Denver, there's a company that was aging their hot sauce in barrels for a year, but it wasn't, it wasn't vinegar-based. So, they let it sit in there, ferment, dump it out, and then they sent us the barrels. So, they were actually wet with all the, all the seeds and basically hot sauce in it. So, we put our scotch ale in there. And how much pepper character Oof, came much. out of it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so we actually brewed another scotch ale to cut it because it was just way too intense. So just, just for drinkability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just too much. So Too much heat. Yeah. <laughs> and then what we ended up doing is taking that second half of that batch and putting it back in the barrel. So that's been sitting for probably two and a half years. So oh, cool. And, then you're, and you're constantly tasting over Yeah, we two. taste and see what's going on with it. So. And are you still finding that still same like heat intensity or does it kind of degrade over time? It, it degraded, but you still get the, the flavor comes out more than the heat does now. So it's still pretty nice. And, and do you guys have a specific area that you guys keep your barrels in or is it just kind of everywhere? Yeah, so we have a warehouse that we, we kind of constructed a cold room, cool room where the temperature basically stays around 65, 70 all the time. We don't really have to play with air conditioning or anything like that. So. Pretty nice, pretty constant. Is that important for like the stability of what's going on? I'd actually like a little bit of variation, but because of space, that's all we, <laughs> we have one place to put them and that's where they're gonna go for now, so. Well, they come out great there, so. We're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna come yep. back, drink some more Honolulu Beer Works beer and talk with Jeff some more. Bringing you what matters. Viewers can receive the Star Advertiser digital full access subscription for just $9.95 per month. Go to StarAdvertiser.com and click on subscribe. Use the code A-H-I-THING. Right on. We're back with Jeff from Honolulu Beer Works, and let's crack open a Cocoa Weizen. Yeah. So what's, so what's, tell us about this one. So this, this beer basically, you can thank my wife Charmaine for this one. Um, she always enjoyed drinking um, like um, the Cocoa Brown and, and Maui's Coconut Porter. And she just bugged me for years to do something with coconut. So I finally relented, but I wanted to do something on a lighter style, not just hide it with some dark beer. So we did the Hefeweizen and then we hand toast. For every seven barrels, we hand toast 25 pounds of, of flake coconut. <clears throat> so it's kind of an intense process because we have a very small kitchen, little ovens that when we were doing our big 30 barrel batches, it takes about four hours to do just the coconut itself. Um, so, but this is what, what resulted in after a couple of different variations. Um, it's a you know, nice, easy drinking beer, especially in Hawaii. Um, kind of reminds you of the beach and, you know. Absolutely. This, um, yeah. this came up in conversation where we were talking uh, brunch beers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this one came up, yep. we were specifically thinking about this one with, you know, starchy, egg rich kind of brunch food. Like I could do a cocoa, like a fruit kind of fruity <laughs> tropical characteristic, yeah. but it's still really light on the palate. Like you said, it's not a dark beer, anything like that. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, we wanted to highlight the coconut as much as possible. Yeah. Plus, take the nice parts of the half of bison yeast. We we ferment a little bit higher, up around seventy two to try to get the more banana esters out of it. Um, to kind of make you know, try to pina colada kind of deal. Yeah, with exactly. It. Yeah, um, it's like super pina colada, yeah. but not sweet by any means. Yeah. Still definitely beer, beer flavored beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get that balance between like kind of those banana notes and coconut notes and 
Yeah, we were, what, and we didn't want to go with extract or anything like that because I think you end up going like, you know, almost a suntan lotion-y kind of taste, to put it kind of bluntly. Tastes like Waikiki Beach. Yeah, so I, I, mean, <laughs> I kind of want to stay away from that a little bit, and that's why we take the time to do the, the hand, you know, the hand toasting and everything. And we, we toast it pretty dark as well to get as much sugar as we can out and as much flavor. So, so that's a lot of extra time and money. Yeah, and, and then it actually spends another day in the tank as well because we'll let it sit in the tank and then we'll recirculate in the tank before we actually carb it up and then package it. So it takes a little bit extra steps, a couple more days, but I think it's well worth it. So, so I mean, speaking of sort of local ingredients, I know you guys have done a lot of beers where you guys are kind of incorporating sort of the local agriculture. Like what is, how have you guys been working with like local producers and whatnot? Yeah, as much as possible, even right from the beginning, Kamehameha Schools is our landlord. So we did a, before we even opened, we did the Saison, the Mahi Ice Saison with all local fruit, um, oranges, lemons, limes, um, lemongrass, Big Island honey. Uh, we've done mango beers, poha berry, um, fruit from your farm. Uh, we did the grapefruit. Yeah. Um, so as much as we can, we try to incorporate um, local. Um, and I think we did the breadfruit one as well. So it's just, it's very hard right now just because of our production to get those, those kind of interesting beers in there. Um, because they're, like everybody, we're just trying to catch up. So, but yeah, as much as possible, we try to do that. So, with that, like, what else? Uh, where else are you guys going? Do you guys foresee any like new collaborations or going forward with kind of getting out of the catching up with things? Uh, we're trying to. Um, we have a few different things. Actually, we have a whiskey collaboration coming up. Um, but with local ingredients, we're you know trying to find a, a time to get it actually in production is is our problem right now. Is where, where we you know we have seven beers in package on retail shelves plus kegs and whatnot in all the hotels and restaurants and stuff. So it's a kind of a balancing act right now of what we can do. But we're we're working with some local honey as well. We're doing a honey honey blueberry wheat um, called Muffin Top Blues that'll be coming out soon as well. So. It's just good fun stuff. Well, we're going to take a break, let the audience get back to go get a beer, and we'll come back right after the break. The Art of Beer is brought to you by Growler Hawaii. 100 taps of great beer and other beverages. Stop in for some drink, food, and fun. Growler Hawaii, located at 449 Kapahulu. Hey, guys. Welcome back to The Art of Beer. Uh, we're here with Jeff from Honolulu Beer Works. Uh, let's get into that session IPA. Yeah. Surf session. So surf session. Surf session. Excuse me. <laughs> so this is one you guys have done a couple of variations of. But what's what? Uh, explain to us this one because this one's kind of a little special, right? Yeah, this started out as just a brew pub um, <clears throat> only, uh, where we would just take the same recipe and and just feature one hop in it. And then once we started canning, we wanted to do a session IPA out there. So this iteration this year is Eldorado and Citra. So with this beer, we don't actually add hops in until knockout. So during the Whirlpool, we'll Whirlpool about one, about 185 degrees, and that's when we add all the hops. So we don't want any bitterness. Yes, there's some inherent bitterness that comes through, but we're looking just for flavor and aroma on it. So this one, we actually teamed up with Town & Country Surf to celebrate their 50-year anniversary. Um, nice little tie-in. My wife worked for Town and Country Surf for about uh, eight That's years. Good. As a buyer, so. <laughs> Take one down, pass it around. Yeah. So again, That's the golf course beer, right? So for, for, at four and a half percent, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very crushable. Yeah. You do get that IPA feel and flavor and aroma, but again, you're just 
you can just crush them all day. So it's the, it's the this come, is, come this out is, of the water beer, right? Yeah, this is my go-to I, I, right I now. Can, I can drink this on a golf course. This is <laughs> yeah. So how many IPAs you say you can take on a golf course? Yeah. This one for sure. <laughs> well, you can drink them. You might not last right. that many holes, but eight <laughs> percent, eight holes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's great, and it's a good use for like I, I don't know that a lot, all of our listeners necessarily know that hops act a lot like. I always kind of use the tea analogy. Like if you make a, a cup of green tea and you just use that, you know, for like seven minutes or whatever, and you pull it out and it's like bright and floral. But if you forget about it and you get a phone call, you know, and you're on the phone call for 45 minutes, and you go back and it's really bitter. So the more those hops are in earlier in the making of that process, you're adding those bitterness. But in this case, you're using them just on the end and getting that that citrus and the floral notes. Yeah. About that. And traditionally, you know, obviously back. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you always add hops at you know, 60 minutes and then 15. And we, you know, with things basically being, you know, whatever goes at these days, I think it's a really good utilization of the hops where you're, all you're doing is focusing on that flavor and aroma yeah, at the right. end. So, and it kind of makes it easier for us to brew as well. So, so how did you get? How did you get? How did you get into like? What was your sort of like gateway into all of this? I will have to thank my wife again. So uh, she, <laughs> I, I have a culinary background as well, but um, you know, graduating over here at KCC, so always had an interest in beer and food. And she got me homebrew kit for Christmas about ten years ago, and instantly, after about three or four brews, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do, or at least try it out. So you know, I started working in a local brewery with the intent to open up our own place. So that's kind of I just springboarded pretty quick into. When you were growing up, though, what was sort of like, what was your, what was that, what were the f first couple beers that you had when you were growing up? You're like, whoa. You know, Yingling. Yeah. <laughs> Nation's oldest brewery? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Yingling in, back in, in Philly, that's kind of the beer that we, that I kind of was attracted to um, as far as being a little bit different from, you know, what was the normal stuff going on, but that, that in Sierra Nevada. So. We talked about those as gateway drugs, yeah. you know, the gateway beers to, to craft beer, you know? Yeah. Like, Wait a minute, the beer has flavor. Yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's always that thing, like you find what's in your dad's fridge, right? And then you're like, oh, what's that? <laughs> Something different, right? <laughs> Not to say we haven't drank the other stuff as well, but you know. Oh, yeah. The, Time and a place for sure. Yeah, right. again, getting the flavor, the aromas, and actually you know, getting those wheels in your mind going like, wait, this is something different. That's kind of what it was. So, so when you when you guys got going, it was a totally different landscape in, in Honolulu and in, in in Oahu in general, right? Like, could you ever imagine like seven, eight years later, like where we are now? No, I mean, I I knew obviously Hawaii is behind a lot of trends by five, ten years anyway. But when we came in, I think there were Gordon Beers was the only other brewery that was open on Oahu at least, and I think there was only maybe six or seven breweries. I think it, we just had our last guild meeting. There was 18 breweries. <clears throat> Some of them aren't even open yet, but yeah, I, 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 was, I would, was expecting the landscape to be a little bit more with a few more breweries, but it's kind of, it's kind of taken off now. So it's good to see though. It's, it's yeah. great. Lots changed in like a lot of change. A decade. Yeah. Where everything's not like even, I mean, we, <laughs> we opened 2014, so. So it seems like yesterday, but man, that's awesome. <laughs> um, we're going to take a little break. You guys go grab a beer. We'll be right back with the Art of Beer and Jeff from Honolulu Beer Works. The Art of Beer is brought to you by Value Furniture. Has over 10,000 items from acclaimed designers to make furnishing your home easy. Create something beautiful with value. Beachside Roofing. 
the leaders. Welcome back to The Art of Beer. We're here with Jeff from Honolulu Beer Works, and we're going to talk about growlers. Yeah, let's crack them. <laughs> what are we cracking? Golden Rye. What's Golden Rye? So Golden Rye was our, our seventh anniversary, so we kind of, every anniversary we do kind of a play. So this year was 007. So it's just a, a rye pale ale, um, rye golden ale. Um, so one of, the, one of the styles I really like is just rye in general. So we wanted to bring this back um, and kind of have fun with it. So. And what what does rye, what 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 does that add to the beer? Like so, we, we try to add a lot of rye too. So add that that peppery um, kind of finish to something like you would see in you know whiskey or rye whiskey or something. But in beer, I think is a little bit more pronounced. Yeah. This one um, with the hops it actually is got real floral as well. Yeah. Um, which is not, we weren't really expecting that. We were expecting more like the peppery finish, which, which is what I like, but. Yeah, it's got like up and up, up through here and you get it, but it's like bitter, but not like. I've got it like in the back of my, my jawline yeah. right here, but it's, yeah. You get that flavor, but it's still not like, like a hot bitter. It's still like a totally right. different characteristic. So you guys only make this like, it's a one. Yeah, right? every once in a while, yeah. So this is, every time we do, we always adjust the recipe a little bit, so this, this time, I think we played around with the hops a little bit and upped the rye content. So I think we were about 35% rye in the whole the whole grain bill, which is oh, a, lot. a lot. Yeah, so we have to add a lot of rice hulls in there just to keep it from collapsing on us. So we don't, we don't have like a 10-hour sparge. So it's, it's good, though. It, it, it extracts a lot of flavor. Um, it just gives something different to it. So how has it been, like, keeping up with demand i mean pre even pre-pandemic i know a lot of the local breweries were just cranking right i mean and then and then you know we went through that really hard period but now it seems like things are just flying again and, and what's your guys how's that been like growth projection and where you guys are going yes yeah, so in 2019 we did six thousand barrels out of our brewery which is a lot for a seven barrel brewery um obviously the pandemic kind of wiped a lot of that away um, once things started got rolling, I mean, we were projected to do about 3,500 barrels, but then all of a sudden it just shifted and everything opened up at one time. So we were actually in a good spot where we had enough inventory and we were, had the balance, but then all of a sudden all the hotels and restaurants and everything opened up one time and there was just a huge demand, which basically wiped everything out. So right now we're just playing a catch-up game. Um, we're brewing six days a week, twice a day. You know our tanks are full. We're we're at max capacity again. So it's because because I mean for a lot of people who don't know the process, like beers, not just make it and instantly it's available, right? It's a couple week process before yeah. the time you start it, or even how long is it from the time you order your ingredients to something ends up in a can on a on a shelf? What is that process? So, well, our ingredients we usually have in, in you know we can order them every week for the most part. We have hops in stock, we have grain, but. In production, it, it takes two to almost three weeks, depending on style of beer. So if there's any changes, those changes, especially to production, we won't see that for another month and a half at least, because you got to get it into production and going. So what happened was, so all the stuff that was going to cans went to kegs. And then now we're short on cans. So now we're just doing this balancing act back and forth. And you know, like the hotels, you know, more hotels are opening up. They're doing renovation, just like all right, we're we're doing what we can to to uh, keep up. So, how many how many though. kegs do you guys have? Like at any one time, like 
Because you guys are only distributed in, 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 you can only find your beer in Hawaii, right? Right. How many kegs do you guys have? Just pieces of stainless steel? Like our product. float, yeah. um, between the five gallons and 15, probably about 1,200 <laughs> or so. Yeah. But the problem, logistically problem with Hawaii is <clears throat> they'll end up sitting on the outer islands. Instead of having like a two-month turnaround where you get the empty keg back, they're sitting out on the outer islands for another month or two until the shipper gets enough stuff to put in the container to come back. So. So we have to have a bigger float of kegs than you normally would see. But the problem is not the equipment. The problem is actually filling it with liquid because we don't, we can only produce so much. So. <laughs> That's a lot it's of a, kegs. It's a, it's a fun <laughs> game. I also think you got to have like three kegs for every tap, right? Because there's one on the tap. They need an empty one and one in, that you've yep. filled recently. So one in inventory. And as fast as you can, if that isn't immediately returned to you, if you guys aren't distributing yourself, then that's that could be four or five kegs that one so that was a real big issue pre-pandemic was you know we're at max and we couldn't even get kegs back quick enough but now the issue is we have all the kegs we got back from the pandemic that we've washed and stored but now it's like we don't have the liquid to actually fill enough kegs well i'm glad that you are working diligently <laughs> around the clock to get us more beer i'm trying and keep these cans <laughs> and these growlers full um we're gonna head out here we want to thank jeff so much for coming from Honolulu Beer Works, stay tuned for our extended edition. We're going to finish all these beers and talk about some stuff. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Appreciate hey. it. <laughs>
Point Panics is just used to be one of my spots. So yeah, and we try, you know, <laughs> with all our stuff, we you know we try to keep that local touch to it. Um, you know, obviously that's right down the street from us. His body surfing away. Yeah, Kualos Cream <laughs> Ale. You know, yep. you know, we we surf Kualos all the time, and just trying to you know keep that that element together. But. So you guys got like some pretty unique labels, yeah. right? Like what's what's behind those labels obviously they're they're super artistic like who did them and so when we when we first when i first started renovating the building um the powwow guys are right in lana, lana lane studios and one of the guys whose studios are right there is uh, his name is kai and I, I don't want to butcher his last name but his his instagram is artwork at kai artwork of kai um he came down and was talking to me and I saw kind of his artwork and then I always thought to myself, man, that would look really good on, on cans. And we were, from the beginning, we always wanted to do packaging. Um, but, uh, you know, with, you know, when, once we started opening, you know, we started expanding right away because we just couldn't keep up. So the canning got kind of put on the side for a little bit, but I said, if we ever do labels, I'm going to talk to Kai. So for the majority of our core styles, we do with Kai. Um, and then Tosh, who is one of our employees, he's has a graphic design background. So we kind of work with him for like El Guapo and the Pussy Grabs Back. But Surf Session, Coco and all these guys are, are Kai's artwork. But that's almost like another way of, I mean, it's sort of like we talked about like working with local agriculture, yeah. you're working with local artists. It's because they're wrapping all of that like local community in, yeah. right? And, and they've done murals in our, yeah. in our beer gardens and stuff like that. And obviously our, our whole neighborhood is full of artwork. So, and my wife and myself, we both enjoy artwork. So we just thought it'd be a natural fit as well. You know, we want to support local, our cans are local. Unfortunately, the labels have to come from out of state because the, the glue on them, you know, you can't get that here. But again, as, as much as we can keep a local connection to what we're doing. I think that's one of the, like the most amazing things about Kaka'ako, especially like, uh, that side of Kakaako, um, where it's it's retained a lot of that like kind of art culture, because that's one of if for anybody who hasn't been, if you're watching and you haven't been to Honolulu and you haven't been to that part of Kakaako, it's like there's there's murals and that sort of street art kind of almost start powwow kind of started that whole trend across the world almost, where you know where they're getting together like the top renowned street artists in the world. And they'd come here every year, every February. They'd come to Kaka'ako, and then there'd be just walls everywhere. And it's like every artist would take a wall, and it's like go to town, and the the art would be up. And these are just beautiful murals. And the cool thing is, like, it's there for a year, you know. And it's and then uh, it's gone. I'm fascinated by it. Is also a few things you see about it is guys walk through that normally you could get. Some stuffy old guys walking by normally would see paint on a wall and be like, oh, graffiti, how ugly this is. And then you see those same people taking pictures of it. Yeah. And then if you look on any overpass in Hawaii, what do you see? Graffiti, tag names. But you look at this whole two, three block area, not a single person has nope. disrespected any of the art. It's they gorgeous. have left it. It's beautiful. It's, you it's, know. A tre it's a treasure of yeah. the city. I mean, it's sort of like a contribution that's unreal it's un underappreciated too yeah definitely it's a funny story because when we when we first started building out i had some guy tagged our building and this is right when they power just started and they, they did some walls but not to the extent that is it now so i w actually went next door and they 
you know, they obviously know who, who yeah. tags what. They got him there, and, you know, two days later, he's out there scrubbing the wall. So <laughs> they've done a really good job of actually, you know, kind of policing themselves and going, hey, this is, this is what we're trying to do to yeah. make sure that people come and see it's not the shit that you see. Yeah, not just it's, destroy yeah, it. Don't fuck this up. We're making something yeah, nice. It's, you know, like, it's actually something that, you know, and for the first couple of years, you know, the people walking around, but then now they bring trolleys down. Oh, yeah. Well, pre-pandemic, they were, now they bring trolleys of people down there and just let them off, which is you great walk, for us. Yeah. I mean, the, you the, walk yeah. around the neighborhood and the like, see all this the, amazing in art. And the retail and the, the, the restaurants in the area, it's, if you're walking to any of them, half the people you said, I mean, you know firsthand, it's people coming from Waikiki, visitors, and they're coming to see this art, and they're like, oh, Shops and restaurants, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And it creates like, a community. I mean, yeah. it creates a community. There's something you can walk around during the day, you can look at things, and then you, you have places to eat and drink and like hang out. But I mean, open to, to have these huge, <laughs> these huge murals on the wall, and every, I mean, at every block, there might be four or five. Yeah. And some of them are just unbelievable, you know? Um, it, it, it's a treasure that the city has, and sometimes I, I wonder if, if the city doesn't even understand how how incredible that is, yeah. you know, because I feel like sometimes the, the city of Honolulu doesn't appreciate it. I mean, I think Kamehameha Schools and the, uh, you know, they under appreciate it because they're giving a lot of these walls away. But I don't know if the, the, the tourism authority and all these other ones understand, like, how much of a treasure this is to have that they've done. You know? yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, it helps. It helps us. It helps bring people in. helps bring people in the neighborhood. So from everywhere, yeah. everywhere, it's amazing, you know? And it fits in with sort of like this, you know? Hanging around, having like solid locally made products. Grab food, grab beer. It's locally made, it's not something they can get at a brewery wherever they're from, you know? Yeah, walk around. Adds to it, you walked around this rad neighborhood in Hawaii on vacation, so. Yeah. And, and when we opened, like the, you know, we looked, at, we were looking for about two years for a space and then we just happened to fall on this one, but the, what intrigued me about it was because it was mostly industrial anyway, but just that usually when you see a neighborhood going through, you know, Kamehameha School said, hey, here's our grand plan, but you know, you can't really always count on that happening. But you know, whenever you want to kind of revitalize, there's always a brew pub element or some kind of distillery or something that goes in. And I said, let us be the ones that go in there and see, you know, kind of, see the place grow around us and that's kind of what happened so oh it totally yeah, has it was, you know obviously they had their own plans but it's cool to see like hey we you know we're, we're going to be here for foreseeable future to see this place kind of grow so and i like that beer works has kept you know i mean you the building you're in the style of the you know like you said high ceilings open air that really fits more that industrial area and as they switch from industrial you guys still have that look so it's still throwback to what Kakako was, and it still managed to match as a, a brew pub in an industrial area. And no matter okay, how many condos okay they build around yeah. you, that you're still gonna look <laughs> like that. So that's, you know, yeah. something to It's funny, because it looked cleaned up when we first opened, compared to everything else around it. Now it looks, <laughs> now it looks a little rough, you're like, <laughs> all the old wood and everything, everybody's doing new stuff, which is fine with me. I, 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 I it's, love. it's a constant change, right? Yeah. Like it's a it's a it's a it's a community and a neighborhood that's like in constant flux, in constant change. But it's it's I think it's what gives that community in that area so much character is that there is you got two sides of the coin and you got like change and you got stuff coming up and 
you know it's and then you, and what's cool now is that you have people living there you know it's like back yeah. back when you guys opened like no one lived down well, there well there was, was people living there yeah well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't by choice yeah, yeah. People, people paying rents and mortgages yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it was it was it was, yeah. a, it was a rough and seedy area i mean and for for decades i mean it was industrial and that's sort of like i think a lot of cities where it's like people found these industrial areas and decided like no we can we can put these to use you know re, re, repurpose what was once steel you know place you know manufacturers for the sugar mills and we're gonna do something else with it, with it you know yeah the one i really thought was pretty cool was a building that um that uh Highway Inn is in. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the way they actually gutted that whole thing and actually repurposed it, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. So I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I think it was just offices. Before. It was office. It was an office building. And now yeah. it's like condos and yeah. bottom. So I thought that retail. was pretty cool as far as, you know, repurposing instead of just tearing it down. Yeah. yeah. So I know they tore down most of the Kwanzaa huts and stuff that were there. But well, it's like we were just talking about, like, you know, finding, like repurposing, like the old classic Waikiki you know hotels, hotels or apartment yeah. buildings and keeping a little bit of that like mid-century stuff instead of turning it into like cookie cutter like perfectly facaded it's like what they did with international marketplace it's like man, it's like it's boring as hell man, it lost its charm, it, it lost its charm. Like, <laughs> the charm of international market is the banyan trees and then all the little the little kiosks fucking mad dogs yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it like lost all of it and that was sort of a thing and now but it's like but at least with some of these places are like no we're gonna keep they're keeping some keeping of that some of that soul and but we're just gonna you know fresh freshen it up put a little tlc into it because without it, you you lose like nothing. Not everything has to be like granite. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, not, not, yeah. It's international marketplace is the one that it's complete. I can't even have a hard time calling it that. You know, it's my mind still has just a ball. All the yeah. It's, you know, no, it looks like an airport shopping mall. Tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it has no, nothing. I think for anybody who's been there like 30, 40 years ago, it's like, it doesn't look this, it's nothing, nothing's the same, you know? Nothing. Tesla dealer. Yeah, yeah no, exactly, right? It's like, what's, I mean, I, I get what they're going for, but what's the, what's the, the, the soul of it, you know? And I think that's what's cool with what everybody's doing in the local beer scene is like, there's some soul to it. There's some character. There's, there's people behind it, right? Like. Without the person behind it, there's it's just nothing. It's just well, business. It's, <laughs> it's just a business. Yeah, <laughs> you know. That's so you gave us the name of this beer, and I'm curious why it's called Parking Ticket Red. <laughs> right Taco, outside, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so right outside the brewery, there's it's funny because there's a sign at the end that says you can't park, but then there's a sign over here. There's no sign. There was there was, but it keeps getting taken out. So when people park there, there's, there's always they always get parking tickets, so it's just, and then even though, even our patrons, everybody has to be off the street by by three thirty or something. So it's just one of those things that like, yeah, it's red ticket. <laughs> uh, it just kind of fit the red. whole red L, red, red ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and you get red because you're pissed off. So uh, <laughs> put in parking meters, or there never used to be parking meters. Yeah. <laughs> Doubling the price of them, yeah. Oh yeah. Got to generate that revenue, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rail's not going to pay for itself. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining us. Oh, we hope you everybody enjoyed this it. with Honolulu Works. Cheers. 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 Thank you, guys.